The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. in the neighborhood it's halloween october 31st let's cockadoodle do it this is roto experts in the morning right here on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network i am your host dane martinez they call me speeds the spitting statistician and as always i am overjoyed to be joined by my man fswa hall of famer el rey de fantasia the king Scott Angle. Scotty, how you doing? What's your favorite trick-or-treat candy? Like, when you were going around to the different, you know, I don't know where you went. In my hood in the Bronx, we just went in the apartment building from apartment to apartment. And what was, like, your favorite thing to get? You know, was it a little Butterfinger, a little lollipop, some gum, some... Well, what were you doing out there back in the day? Well, good morning. You know, uh, going around here in Queens, I would probably say uh, I was always excited to get candy corn. You know, really? it's, uh, but but it was unusual. I hated though. It's the like, candy corn. I love candy corn. Like you eat it in an individual section. First, you eat the white, then you really? eat the orange, and then you eat the yellow. And it, it's you ate a piece of candy way. corn in three different pieces. Is yeah, it a candy no, corn like a small look, little piece of nothing? No, you you look at the candy corn. It's got three different colors to it. And I know it has three different know, colors, you, but you really you know, I'm saying I ate. Colors? I yeah, I ate one color at a time. Okay. I mean, everybody, you know, people eat Oreos in different ways. People apparently eat candy corn in different ways. I used to like the places that didn't have candy that would just give me loose change. All right. But Halloween, Halloween, long one of my favorite holidays. Uh, I think it's been, you know, a few years, though, since. uh, I used to to just take a very professional approach to Halloween and, uh, you know, really. Did it up costume wise, but uh, you know those 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 days were in the past. I have some good throwback Thursday pictures, uh, you know, for Halloween, you know, in the vault. 
All right, fair enough. Maybe my man Scotty will release some of those on Twitter. You can follow us both. I'm on Twitter, at Spittin' Speeds. Scott is at ScottyRotoX. Don't forget to go on to RotoExperts.com. Get the RotoExperts exclusive edge in-season fantasy football package. we got a big show for you today on a Wednesday. We're going to start looking ahead to all of the games of Week 9. And listen, guys, there is some buys in Week 9. There are six teams on buys, so a slightly uh, fewer amount of games, but a lot a lot of people are going to be in some interesting situations with the buys, some injuries, and so it makes for some interesting drops and ads. So we'll go through all the games and preview what we think you need to do. But the first things first, Scott, we got to get into it because the trading deadline in the NFL was yesterday. By my count, there was no fewer than five trades, in my opinion, that could have an impact in the NFL and by association in fantasy football. So let's start at the top. Scotty Golden Tate has been traded from the Detroit Lions to the Philadelphia Eagles for a third round pick. Let's talk about this one, Scotty. Let's start on the Philadelphia side. I think Golden Tate is a great fit for this team. Now you have Ertz and Tate over the middle. You still have Alshon as your number one on the outside. If anything, I think this is a big sacrifice for Nelson Aguilar. He's the one whose stock would drop even further for me. What do you think of the Philadelphia side and the fit of Golden Tate? I love this trade. I think this was a great pickup by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I still would have liked to see them get a running back, but you know, I guess this was a really nice alternative. Uh, Golden Tate is a great possession receiver, uh, a master in the origin at the after the catch. Ever since he came into the league, he was taught that early in his career. Uh, you know, really took it to heart and became one of the best guys for that. Uh, real chain mover, uh, safety receiver for Carson Wentz. I think it actually boosts Carson Wentz a little bit. You know, all Sean Jeffrey will catch those 50-50 balls and catch those touchdowns, but they need somebody reliable in key situations, and I think this boosts his fantasy outlook again, where it was more crowded of a situation in Detroit. Nelson Aguilar. You know, it was very nice to see the bounce back year that last year, but you know now it's over, it's finished. You know they have three really good pass catchers. I don't know if they have enough offensive balance uh, to make a default playoff run. It really depends on can Josh Adams really hit. Right. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, it boosts his his outlook. And back in Detroit, uh, gives a boost to Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay uh, because you know, now the biggest competition for catches is out of the mix. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about the Detroit side in a second, but let me stay focused here on Philly. Um, You mentioned that Aguilar is done. You mentioned that Tate, to be quite honest, yeah, they were going for maybe a running back, but Golden Tate, you know, is part of that. You know how a lot of people say that short passing game is an extension of the running game? Golden Tate does all of those kind of routes. We'll see if Philadelphia uses him in that way. You talked about Tate as a reliable— I think he's much more than that. And okay. but you know I, I don't I don't think you know he's going to be catching that many flat passes out of the backfield. They they Fine. still they, they they would still need like a Theo Riddick type, which I think they're missing. Okay, uh, my question was going to be: You mentioned Golden Tate, um, kind of as that chain mover, and you know, kind of helping in the short passing game. But does you know you said he didn't have a guy for that? The guy I think he does have for that is Zach Ertz. Does this have any threat to Zach Ertz potential? No, I, I think they'll all have their roles in the passing game. Uh, you know, all Sean Jeffrey, 50-50 ball, red zone threat. He'll, yep. you know, you, you can't have just one guy, you know, on a, key, on a key down. 
you know, a good quarterback like Carson Wentz will spread the ball around a lot. You know, they'll play different roles. You know, Zach Ertz is still their number one pass catcher, period. You know, Tate's in there to play a certain role. You know, I don't think that role is necessarily, you know, like catching swing, too many swing and bubble screens, you know, once in a while. But he's so diverse. Uh, I think Carson Wentz, probably without the support of a mediocre running game, is going to have to throw the ball a lot. And, you know, that's, I think it's volume for all three guys. I don't think it hurts anybody. All right, let's talk about the Detroit side. You mentioned this now. You mentioned, you know, the obvious thing is, that, you know, Marvin Jones and our guy. Galladay, it would be so nice. But we've always known that the Detroit Lions pass offense, you know, listen, we've always thought it was one of these offenses that can sustain three wide receivers. You know, before we were, we had Tate and Jones and Galladay on rosters. So who is that third now? You know, a lot of people think TJ Jones. I kind of think it could be an undrafted free agent, Brandon Powell, who is sort of more in the golden Tate mole. Where would you look uh, for a third pass catcher in Detroit? I would uh, you know, and they haven't always had a third pass catcher that's been viable. It's only since Galladay has really come on. Before that, you know, it was really two receivers. And I remember a few years ago at one point it was one receiver. Uh, I think it was just Tate, you know, for a brief period. So I think Galladay and Jones get a nice bump here. Uh, you know, Galladay was kind of getting lost in the mix. And uh, you know, I think you, you can retain confidence in him now and, and – Get him back into your fantasy starting lineup. T.J. Jones is, you know, he's never, ever, you know, done anything much with the opportunity when he's gotten it before. And, you know, this Powell kid, again, he is an undrafted free agent. So from an NFL perspective, you might see him catching some passes here and there, but not enough to make a fantasy impact. And you have to remember, you know, the dichotomy of this team has changed. You know, they don't throw the ball around the yard like they used to. You know, you talk about past seasons, if a third receiver was relevant. Remember this past this season that, you know, sometimes, like last week, it was really only one guy getting involved. You know, this team doesn't throw the ball as much as they used to. So, you know, it's, it's Galladay and then Jones to me. Okay, and, you, you know, one of the things you're mentioning here is that uh, Detroit is not throwing the ball as much. Um, now that they've also traded away one of their wide receivers, one of their main wide receivers, would you expect them to even rely a little bit even more on the run game? Could this be a boost for on Johnson and even on Johnson in the short passing game? Or do, do you think this is a move signaling that they expect the return of Theo Riddick and maybe even to use Theo Riddick in the slot? Uh, I don't know if it's related to Riddick's return necessarily as much as, you know, they want to get Galladay more involved. Of course, we're speculating there, but uh, when Riddick comes back, he's going to have a role. I think they're very happy with the running game as is. I really don't think it means an expansion of anything for anybody other than more targets for their top two wide receivers. Got you. So, in essence, you think that Golden Tate's piece of the pie gets mostly distributed to Marvin Jones and to our guy, Kenny Galladay, which for exactly. Galladay owners would be so nice. Let's move on to the next deal Ooh, yeah. that I want Ooh, to talk yeah. about. There it is, Scotty. There's your part. I was getting worried about you, brother. All right. Demarius <laughs> Thomas has been traded to 
the Houston Texans for a fourth round pick. Let's break this one down. Start on the Houston side, Scott. Obviously, this is in response to Will Fuller uh, getting lost for the season with an ACL. Listen, yesterday and all the time, I'm telling people, you know, people are asking me about waiver ads and what do I do and sit start on social media. And I literally on Twitter yesterday was like, can we just wait until after the trade deadline? Because the landscape is going to change. You know, people peppering you with questions. What should I do about this? And, and this is a perfect example. Before the trade deadline or yesterday when we were talking, Scotty, we were talking about Kiki Cutie as a, you know, as someone to add. Someone that was coming back from a hamstring would take this Will Fuller opportunity. Well, not 24 hours later, after they trade for Demarius Thomas, I think this relegates Kiki Cutie back to kind of a bench role, if anything, in fantasy. What do you expect on Houston? Obviously, the De- DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his. What do you think DT winds up doing here for the Texans? First off, you know, to your point about people were asking you stuff yesterday, it's like, you know, I love all the questions, but, you know, I'm not answering start-sit questions on, a, on like, Tuesday. You know, it's too Thank early. You. People people asking about, you know, should I start Cup this week? We don't we don't know early. You know, have some patience. Right. You got to let forget the trade deadline. It's every week. It's You got to let waivers go through, et cetera. Yeah. You know, you don't have to set your lineup on a Tuesday. You got to set the framework of it, and then, and then you go to waivers. There are those rare leagues where they do have waivers on Monday, but, uh, you know, I, I'm digressing here. Yeah, it's know, early. To, answer, to, to, to answer your question, though, I don't, I don't know that – you know, this puts QT totally out of the picture. I think it caps his upside. It's an improvement for Darius Tom- Demarius Thomas because, you know, now he's going to a team with a better quarterbacking situation. You know, Watson's starting to hit his stride again. But And Q- QT's a rookie. So I think it makes sense from, from two uh, you know, sort of ways. Number one, uh, you know, it gives them more diversity in the passing game. Uh, and also, you know, to, Thomas, you know, has obviously a boosted outlook. Uh, I don't know how much upside he has at this point in his career, but uh, I think it caps the upside of QT. But let's remember when Fuller was in there too, QT, when he was healthy, was having some good games too. So I think we have to wait and see how this plays out. I'm not totally convinced that Demarius Thomas is ready to run with this opportunity here. Uh, I would lean more towards yes and better numbers definitely than we saw in Denver. But I wouldn't rule out Kiki QT either as, like, at least a wide receiver four when he comes back. But the hamstring could linger, and, you know, that could have prompted this too. But Demarius Thomas will take a young receiver like Kiki QT under his wing. I'm sure Hopkins has done it as well. And playing with these two guys could only help his long-term outlook. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is good for QT in the long term to learn under Demarius Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so it's interesting there. Houston uh, effectively replacing Will Fuller. On the other side of things, listen, Scott, we have been on this guy, and I think there is nobody in the NFL whose fantasy standing and outlook improved more because of the trading deadline than Broncos wide receiver Cortland Sutton. We have been on this guy. I've been saying his ascension is starting to happen or already regardless of the trade Elway even came out and said one of the big reasons for this trade was to kind of clear the way for Cortland Sutton if you remember last year Scott the Saints traded away Adrian Peterson and that cleared the way for Alvin Kamara could we be seeing something similar court I'm telling everybody run right now and put in a claim or pick up Cortland Sutton if you haven't already done so 
Yeah, you know, obviously it boots his outlook to like instant wide receiver three status. Uh, you know, he does have a journeyman quarterback that I don't recommend starting in fantasy, obviously, right. but the guy, you know, does complete passes. So, you know, obviously the upside is there, but Emmanuel Sanders is still in the picture. He didn't get traded. So I think he becomes Denver number two wide receiver, but he's a big receiver who plucks the ball yes. out of the air and has a lot of red zone possibilities. Yes. So in a non-PPR, too, you know, he's somebody viable. You know, there's, there's certainly upside there. You know, I think he's the number one pickup of the week, obviously. Devontae Parker being number two. In another league, Larry Fitzgerald got cut. You know, I picked him up. Wow. So, you know, he's got to be in your, on your radar as well. So, uh, you know, definite upside there. For 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 uh for Cortland Sutton, I think it's obvious, you know, uh, it, and it depends on the kind of league you play in. You know, it's kind of a frustrating thing because if you play in regular rolling waivers, you know, if you don't have the number one pick or the number two right. pick, you really don't have a chance to it get Cortland Sutton. But yeah. in leagues where there's Fab, you know, which which I prefer, uh, if you need wide receiver help of any sort. If you're not comfortable with your third wide receiver, if you've been rolling out there, say, Christian Kirk and Marquise Goodwin, uh, you've been okay with Kirk, but there's not much up, not enough upside compared to Sutton, you put in a heavy bid. You know, I, I would say that right now if you have like a $100 budget and you need wide receiver help, I'd be willing to put like about 40-something dollars on Cortland Yeah, that's Sutton. what I was just going to say, about 40, 50%. I completely agree. I don't know if I'd go 50, though. I think, I think that's too much for a wide receiver. The position's too deep. Yeah, okay, Scott, but you said 40-something. I mean, we're very close. We're in yeah. the same neighborhood here. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, well, you live, you live in a little rate. bit of a higher rental than I do, okay? That's all right. That's yeah. all right. I like the view from the apartment. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned Cortland Sutton, and here's the thing. I agree with you also because he's, he's more the type of receiver body-wise, like Demarius Thomas contrasted with Emmanuel Sanders, right? Manny Sanders is still one of those shake-and-bake kind of slight guys. You know, Cortland Sutton is a big-body, prototypical ex-wide receiver on the outside and it will get those red zone targets let me ask you this the same way that scott that i was throwing out guys like brandon powell and tj jones you know Cortland sutton was the third wide receiver in denver and was getting some looks uh is this you know in dynasty leagues maybe um are you giving a look to the other rookie that the denver broncos drafted this year deshaun hamilton only in a very deep league I, okay. I don't think this I'm in a 14 team long term yes, dynasty in, in that, super league. Oh, of you know, course. in that kind you of know, format. If he's in a dynasty league, he's already on a roster, probably. Uh, right. You know, in, in a lot of cases. As far as, like, you know, the type of receiver he is, I think Cortland Sutton's a little bit different. He's more of like a Galladay type, I think. Whereas Demarius Thomas was run after the catch, you know, the whole route tree, the diversity. I think they're two different types of receivers. But like you said, they both play the X role. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll get into more trades. There were more that happened and some on the defensive side of the ball as well. We'll get into those. We'll set the table and then we'll look at all the matchups for week nine. Roto experts in the morning. Dane and Scott, come on back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only place to go for 24-7 fantasy sports advice. Once you download the FNTSY Sports Radio app, you'll get the most accurate experts and most entertaining programming in the fantasy sports world. Listen to great shows like Fantasy Football Frenzy. There you go right there, Goon Squad. Game Time Decisions. Good teams win, great teams cover. Fantasy Freestyle. You know what it is. And plenty more. Boo! 
Download the FNTSY Sports Radio app on your iPhone and Android devices now and take the best fantasy sports talk wherever life leads you. I live in the same neighborhood, but there is a nightmare on my street. Big shout out to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, of course. We're back here on Roto Experts in the morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Spitting statistician El Rey de Fantasia. I also want to congratulate all the thousands of you who had a profitable MLB DFS season in 2018, probably by using the Daily Roto. DFS Optimizer. Now, halfway through the NFL season, the NFL Optimizer has already produced millions in winnings for its subscribers, a Millie Maker winner, uh, Colin Drew hitting back-to-back days, and in the same vein, the NBA Lineup Optimizer is now available, and subscribers are crushing it on a nightly basis. So head on over to DailyRoto.com, click on the Go Premium tab, and check out what the Elite Package has to offer. If you don't have a problem with winning money year-round, you're going to love it. Enter the promo code today fntsy you'll get a special discount honestly if you're not doing it this way you're at a competitive disadvantage so head on over to dailyroto.com all right scotty we got more trades to break down honestly people think this is kind of a low level one i am very intrigued by this deal ty montgomery going to the baltimore ravens for just a seventh round pick in 2020 so not a haul at all on the green bay side i does i don't really think it has much of an impact Unless you want to disagree with me, they have a number of those receivers. And in the running game, they've been using Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I do think this is interesting for Baltimore, okay? Um, I think this could end the kind of... uh utility of Buck Allen and in a couple of weeks could we see more of a kind of standard timeshare where we're using, um, you know, Alex Collins in early down work and stuff, and and Ty Montgomery is like a prototypical kind of PPR, two-minute drill, shotgun offense, pass-catching running back for the Ravens? Or do you see them using Ty Mont in a different way? It's really hard to figure out here, to be honest with you. I don't know if they'll completely phase Buck Allen out totally. I think, you know, they like what he gives them in the passing game. I think this makes it more of a committee than anything, and, you know, probably signals, you know, any hope they, you know, that Alex Collins is going to, you know, be a pure lead running back here. I think it gives him diversity in the backfield, and they might want to go with a three-man committee. Really? So you think that? Well, listen, and if it does wind up being some kind of three-man committee, uh, then that's a drop to Alex Collins's and Buck Allen, but mostly Alex Collins's value, right? Because then that means even any slightly lower usage rate is a problem for fantasy owners, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, but I still Collins will still be the touchdown guy. He's been ton of, de- touchdown dependent, uh, you know, t- until now. Uh, fair enough. And let me ask you one more thing. I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent on this, but is am I correct that one of Ty Montgomery's kind of good things is that he uh, doesn't fumble the ball, and isn't that something that Alex Collins has an issue with? Could this also be insurance in case Harbaugh is like completely done with the fumbling issue? Uh, I think one of the reasons of the last straw for him in Green Bay was he fumbled the kickoff return. Oh, that is, that is game. true. So, well, uh, not only the fumble, he decided to come out of the end zone. Remember, they told him to take a knee, uh, and then he came out and fumbled. So you're absolutely right about that. I, I don't think it becomes a situation at all where he's going to be the lead running back or close to it. Fair enough, my friend. All right. 
two defensive moves that I want to ask you about. One, listen, we know about this Rams defense, and we know that they are getting pressure up the middle. Aaron Donald, Ndamukong Sue, Michael Brockers, right? We know about their secondary. The one thing people have been saying about the Rams is like, oh, what about the linebacker level? And then are they, do they have anyone who gets pressure from the edge? Well, they addressed that yesterday. They are continuing. It looks like, listen, Scott, they are going all in. We said this in the offseason by the contracts they were taking on the Indomitian Sues of the world, the extensions they were giving people, Gurley, Donald, uh, Havisham, the old lineman. This is all going to come home to roost for the Rams eventually, most likely when Jared Goff's rookie contract is up. But they have a window for the next two years before they have to deal with Goff financially, and they are doing it again. They go ahead and get Dante Fowler, a pass rusher who was kind of, you know, in the doghouse a little bit in Jacksonville, but can still bring pressure for the edge. What does this do for an already scary Rams defense, Scott? Uh, you know, they're still good up front. You know, it's it's the yeah. back seven that's a real problem. Who, the Rams? Yeah. You think they're bad in the back seven? They haven't been good. I know, but, you know, I mean, they do have the pieces there at corner. Um, and others. I mean, so, so okay, but let's talk about They've been about dealing this. with one injury, you know, that the yeah. team has given up, like, look at how many points they've given up a week. You know, it, I, 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 don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's any revelation. No, I hear you, but so yeah. let's talk about the trade deadline. What does Fowler do for this defense? Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, just adds another pass rusher and makes a strong defensive line even better. But it doesn't change anything in terms of what they're going to give up. Okay, fair enough. For fantasy, you always say sacks and turnovers, right? Does this add to their sack potential of this defense? Are they a better I fantasy this, defense? I think the sacks potential is already there. Uh, to me, it's just it's, it's a, like a, a rich getting richer type of, type of scenario. But you can't play okay. the Rams defense every week. But well, it, you, You're always looking for sacks and turnovers, but uh, they, they give up a hell of a lot of points. Okay, it sounds like you're not you, you don't think this move is that big of a deal, Scott. I I think like I said, I think it's the rich getting richer. Okay. You know, um can I ask you something else as we move over? We'll get back to the trades in a hot second. I'm over on mybookie.ag where everybody needs to go enter the promo code FNTSY. Scotty, the 8 and 0 Rams, you know they're underdogs this week? Uh No, I didn't wasn't aware of that. Yeah, they are underdogs, an undefeated 8-0 team. They are underdogs. I mean, I guess it makes some sense because they are at New Orleans, okay? And that's a huge game, Scott. You know, uh, the Saints hosting the Rams. It is in New Orleans. And right now on MyBookie.ag, New Orleans is a point-and-a-half favorite. What do you think about that, Scotty? I mean, when I thought about that, my knee-jerk reaction was like, wait, I can get points with the 8-0 undefeated Rams? Give them to me, sure. But then when I thought about it, I was like, huh. If they're going to, you know, people are wondering like, oh, could the Rams go undefeated? You know, could the Rams go undefeated? If you look at the rest of their schedule, right? You know, Scott, if you look at the Rams' schedule um, and you want to say to yourself like the Rams will not go undefeated, you know, if you if you believe that the Rams won't go 16 and 0, and it's very hard to go 16 and 0, right? Then if if you assume that, where else are they going to get a loss this year? You know, like at New Orleans, 
home for Seattle, home for Kansas City, at Detroit, at Chicago, Philly, at Arizona, San Francisco. To me, the like only – not the only, but the chances of their losses would be maybe their Chiefs game, maybe at Chicago if the defense b- jumps up and gets them, or this one at New Orleans. You know, the Seattle game is interesting, division matchup, but they've already won at Seattle. This would be the home one. So if I look and I assume that the Rams won't go 16-0, and right, if you just take that leap of faith with me, um, where else are they going to get a loss? I would say this week is kind of their biggest chance all season to get an L. So when I think about that, maybe the fact that the Saints are favored does make sense. Scott, what do you think? I think when you look at opposing records, you can assume that. But, it, look, it's very, very hard to go undefeated in the NFL. Right. But I like the Rams' chances more than any other games because if you're going to be a Super Bowl team, you have to win these sort of games to make your statement. And that's why I believe the Rams will have a good shot to win. Uh, you know, I, I've seen it before, you know, with the with these best teams in the league. You know, they often – lose a game where, you know, maybe the opponent's lesser or they're playing at home, or sometimes it's a divisional game. So I think it's not just based on who's the team with the best record that they're going to necessarily face, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the NFC. I, I think Kansas City might have a better shot, you know, beating them as well because uh, I think Kansas City's offense is actually better than New Orleans. Uh, and the other two teams are comparable. Uh, yeah. Both of them have – so. Defenses, you don't know what's going to show up every week. But if anything, I think, you know, Pat Mahomes could maybe outgun this team and they have a better chance of beating them. I, I think the Saints are a very good team, but mm-hmm. the, the Rams just have that look, that certain look that of a, <clears throat> of a Super Bowl team that these are the games that they win to make their statement, that to, yeah. to show that they're the number one team in the NFC and they get home that home field advantage. This is such an important game to them, and it means so much, whereas a game like, say, at Detroit could jump up and bite them. Sure, there's always the trap game potential, right? There's always, like, at some point in the season, the Rams are not going to play their best game and someone might jump up and bite them. Like, that's always possible. On That's where the axiom, you know, on any given Sunday comes from, right? So I, I completely agree with you. But here's the other part, Scott. Honestly, if the Saints do win this game, Scott, the Saints are the one seed in the NFC right now. The Saints have one loss. The Rams have zero, right? If the Saints were to win this game, they would both have one loss, but the Saints would have the head-to-head matchup. This would be huge. I think we got to all kind of acknowledge that in the NFC East, you know, whoever wins the NFC East, I don't think is going to get a bye, right? And the NFC North, these teams are beating each other up. So it looks to me, I know I'm going a little too far, and I know we don't like to, you know, extrapolate out too far, but it looks to me right now that the Rams and the Saints are in the driver's seat for those NFC buys. I know it's early, but this is a huge matchup. If the Saints win this game, the Saints would actually be the one seed in the NFC right now. And going real, real far in the future, if we're talking about an NFC championship game in Los Angeles versus in the Dome in New Orleans, that is a huge difference. This, to me, is a huge game for the Saints, Scott. Yeah, definitely a huge game, obviously, for the Saints. You know, they could could make a statement, too, uh, as well. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, the Saints don't have a chance to win the game. I just... They're favored in Vegas. Yeah, well, (laughs) I I disagree with Vegas. I think think the Rams are 
the better team, and I I think they're going to prove it this week. Uh, of course, it'd yeah. be a huge game for the Saints. You know, that's that's obvious. It's a huge. It's one of two huge games this week. I think Brady versus Rodgers is more of a glitz, you know, glamour type of game. But you know, this this is uh, right. involves the two best teams, the two of the best teams on the schedule this week. Yeah, that Packers-Patriots game is like kind of sexy with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. We know that. But this one by far has more playoff implications. And I'll tell you this right now, Scott. You can give, you can talk about the Rams all you want. If the Saints are the one seed and are at home in that dome for the NFC playoffs, oh boy, it could get real, real interesting. But let's, uh, so uh, are you picking then the Rams in this game, Scotty? Right now, the Saints are one and a half point favorites at home against the undefeated Rams. I'm not asking for an official pick, but you're leaning Rams in this game. Yes, I am. Okay, fair enough. There is one more trade that I want to discuss, and it is a defensive one. Ha ha, Clinton Dix is on the move from Green Bay to the Washington football team. Now, listen, I'm talking about the Rams. I'm talking about the Saints. The team right now that would be the three seed in the NFC playoffs is the Washington football team. They got, you know, they've been able to get some pressure up front, guys like Kerrigan, but they have now added to their secondary with ha ha, Clinton Dix. Talk to me about this move for the Washington inside Scott I think it makes a good deep uh, secondary even better uh, you know they yeah. they were having some problems at safety here so I, I think it's a good move uh, you know a little baffling on the green base side I don't know what's going on behind yeah. the scenes there so this is what I wanted to ask you about you know and and, and Scott you know we talk about the stats and fantasy all the time uh, yeah and you know sometimes I have the narrative feel and I bounce those off you sometimes you go for it sometimes you don't right but we've talked about this and you've said it before like at the major league baseball trading deadline when you see when you're like in the clubhouse right Scott and you see that the front office is going for it you know it, it gives you a little boost you know we've talked about that right and the flip side talk to me about two teams in the NFC North okay Detroit and, you, you know, that division right now, like, between first and last place, I think it's like uh, just one game separates them, right? Like Detroit at 3-4 and four, and maybe Chicago at 4-3, and three, the two teams with a tie right in between. This division is up for grabs. Detroit, however, traded away, you know, what people think may be their best wide receiver. Green Bay traded away a versatile running back and their safety, like, what are you thinking right now if you're a Lions fan or a Packers fan or in that locker room? Are you worried that, like, the organization is waving the white flag on the season? How, how do you, like, what are you thinking right now if you're Detroit or Green Bay? Like, it, it looks as though they're operating as though they were sellers and not really going for it this year at all. It's, it's really hard to read, but, you know, I wouldn't read that into it at all. Uh you know they they did make the Ty Montgomery trade maybe to open up you know something more in the backfield for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams there. I I, I would I wouldn't say they're being sellers in terms of they don't feel they're in contention. You know they're what are they three three and one right now and they got a big game against the Patriots coming up. So just just because teams unload certain players, I don't think you know they believe that they're necessarily out of it. You know, it's sometimes hard to read when you're outside the situation. You know, maybe HaHa Clinton Dix wasn't getting along with people in the clubhouse, et cetera. You know, maybe they wanted a culture shift. You know, maybe the, the I think the real way to look at it is, is that, 
you, you know, they, they don't feel that they, they're playing up to par. So, you know, they're cleaning house a little bit more more than they are, like they're selling. Well, isn't cl- what's the difference between cleaning house and selling? Difference between cleaning house is you don't like who you have, uh, you know, on the team in some regards, and you feel like you need to unload certain people for a culture change. All right, so Sell, selling fair is enough. Like, okay. Like, you know, we're looking we're looking ahead to next year. Let's get rid of these guys and see what we can get in return for them. You know, just get them out of here. All right, so in the NFC North right now, Chicago, the Bears are in first at four and three. Vikings four three and one. Packers three three and one. The Lions are three and four. One game. The Lions are in last place at three and four, but only a game back of the Bears. Right? They could literally be in first place uh, by the end of next week because the Lions are in last place. They have the best division record. So tell me, what does that mean? Like they traded Golden Tate away for a third round pick. You think that means Golden Tate was an issue in the locker room? Like, how are you going to trade away what many people think is your best wide receiver when you're a game out of first place? Because they like who they have. You know, they they, they have they want to give Galladay and Jones more of an opportunity. You know, it's uh, – again, it's hard to read outside the situation, but, you know, they, they just lost a really, really big game, uh, you know, to the Seahawks in the NFC. And, you know, Tate yeah. had a very – frustrating day you could see you could see you know you could read it on his face and uh you know it's again there's no sometimes it's very hard to gauge the solid reason but you can't just you know look at it and assume that you know they're selling because they're a game under 500 it's like we talked about with the tampa bay buccaneers you know who gives them a best chance to win sometimes subtraction teams feel gives them a better chance to win yeah, it is interesting, and like you said, it's tough to read, but uh, for those two teams, it was curious for me that they were in contention and decided to trade away some assets that they are using right now. We'll come back and start to get into these Week 9 games, early spreads, and our picks. Moving on on Roto Experts in the Morning. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Roto Experts in the morning on Halloween. If your fantasy team is frightening right now, you need to check it out. The Roto Experts exclusive edge in-season fantasy package. Where my man, the King Scott Angle, the fantasy executive Corey Parsons, Joe Galena, Brandon Murchison, George Kurtz, and others give you everything you need to win your leagues and win that cash. Scotty, yesterday on Fantasy Freestyle, the poll question that I put up was which team helped themselves the most in the trading deadline? Uh, who do you think helped themselves the most, Scott? And then I'll tell you what the poll answered what the you know the stats over beat cipher said what team do you think helped themselves the most as a result of yesterday's transactions uh i would probably say the eagles i i just really really like the golden tate move uh you know i i, I think he's a fine player 
and you know it, it, it adds a missing piece i think uh you know to that not maybe a missing piece but just like an extra dimension to that passing game yeah that is what the stats overbeat cypher said they agreed with you scott 39 percent said the eagles getting tate 30%, however, said the Rams getting Fowler. 23% said the Texans getting DeAndre Hopkins. And then eight saying other, most notably <clears throat> the uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix move. Uh, Clayton Trahan, who's a big friend, friend of the show and stats overbeat Cypher, actually said that they really like the move made by Washington to get Ha Ha Clinton Dix from Green Bay. They are in a very winnable division, and they got who this person thinks is one of the best players that was actually dealt at the deadline. And, you know, I think this ha-ha Clinton Dix move, listen, I think it's real. You mentioned they have a decent secondary. They're getting better in the NFC to contend with these high-octane passing offenses. People like Jared Goff and Drew Brees and others. You're going to need the secondary. And, like, honestly, Scott, I mean, don't look now. But the Washington football team is, you know, is 5-2. and two. You know, they have a game-and-a-half lead on in the NFC East on the Philadelphia Eagles. And they, you know, with Adrian Peterson running as though he was a little bit younger and now augmenting the defense, I am more intrigued by this Washington football team. And look, man, they home for Atlanta. You know, they're favorites in that game. You know that the Falcons are different outside in Washington. Then they go to Tampa Bay, who is, you know, kind of a dumpster fire right now. You know, the the... I, I, I think they could be in position. They're at five and two right now. They can easily be seven and two in two weeks. People need to start looking at the Washington football team, Scotty. They do, you know. It's uh, but I think a lot of people don't just because the offense is like Adrian Peterson and a vanilla passing, not game. sexy, and, yeah. and an, uh, they're an unknown defense, and they play maybe what is the worst division in football. So. You know they're not going. They're just not going to get a lot of credit. I think people are finally impressed by Adrian Peterson and what he's right. doing. I think the defense is a little bit unsung. This is not an exciting team. It's not an exciting division. People are not going to talk about it. Fantasy, fantasy often shapes perceptions of the NFL. You know, there's not a lot that you want on that roster fantasy wise, other than to stream the defense right. and use Adrian Peterson. You know, Jordan Reed's been disappointing. Yep. So. People's perceptions, fantasy-wise, in the mainstream, are also going to shape that, you know, maybe the Redskins aren't that good. Right. No, I hear you. And they may be that team that even if they do win the division, you know, they may be that team that gets upset on wild card weekend, right? Remember last year, I think it was Green Bay that went into Washington and won a playoff game. This year, you could see something like Green Bay going into Washington, Carolina going into Washington on a wild card weekend. And I could see the Washington football game because they don't get much respect being like a home dog in even a playoff game. Their last three wins, Scotty, to your point, you know, your last three, the last three wins are not sexy. You know, they win 23-17, 2017, 2013. Those are the kind of games the Redskins play. And I just said the name of the Washington football team. But um, that's the kind of games they play. But all that matters is you get more points than the other team. All right, Scotty, let's look yeah, and here, at the Here's a games. point about that. Oh, go ahead. Here, here's, yeah, a, yeah, here's, sorry, here's, go ahead. here's a point about that, though. It's number one, they'll say all the – this is what the average fan does. And, you know – I used to do this years ago, but, you know, you, 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 you learn. And, you know, people like you don't do stuff like this. They say they only beat this team, this team, and this team, right? 
if you're a good team, you, you beat in front of who you. you're supposed to beat. That's how you get to five and two. I think I you know there are a lot of fans that like will say stuff like, "Well, we could have been ten and six. You know, we we were like you know we were like one drive away from winning. You know, that's that's a loser's lament. You know, you beat who you're supposed mm-hmm. to beat, and it doesn't matter whether you blow them out or not. As long as you win the ball game, it's like if the New England Patriots are playing the Buffalo Bills and they don't blow out the Bills, but they still execute a game-winning drive, the average fan will say they're disappointed. No, that shows how a good that's a good team right there because when the game was on the line, they executed. The losing team did not. Absolutely true. I can still be disappointed though if I was holding Buffalo plus thirteen and a half. I'll just tell you that. And it didn't. Yeah, but you're talking win, betting. I'm talking winning and losing. Of course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Let's talk some betting right now and go on over to mybookie.ag. Don't forget to use the props builder tool, okay? Because you don't have to worry about multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning ninety percent of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account, use the promo code FNTSY. You'll get a fifty percent deposit. Bonus. Let's go on over to mybookie.ag, Scotty, and let's start looking at these games in week nine. You know, what are the implications going to be? Is there any value? Let's start with tomorrow's matchup. And, Scotty, you know, Thursday night football is back to, uh, let's just say, the less desirable matchups. It is a battle of the Bay, Oakland and San Francisco. You know what it is? San Francisco is a. This is two teams. This is, there's a stat here. This is two teams. With the combined lowest winning percentage ever in a November, oh, wow. December, late season game on national wow. television. Both of these teams have one win, I believe. They have a combined right? no, 133 winning percentage. Niners won last week, right? So over Arizona? No, they lost. They lost. Okay, so both of these teams have one win then, okay? Yes. This is kind of a this is a race to the number one overall draft pick here. The Niners are Three-point favorites. Now, I think this is interesting, though, Scott. You know how I always lean towards the home team on Thursday night football because they always say it's so hard for a team to, after a football game on Sunday, travel and then have the Thursday night football game? Well, that's not the case in this one, remember, because Oakland doesn't have to travel far to get to San Francisco, right? So does that mitigate some of that uh, road team on Thursday night football narrative that they're not able to, you know, get up for the game because they are able to sleep in their own beds tonight, the Raiders, that is, to play in San Francisco on Thursday night? I don't think so, really, because, but yeah, look, you know, I've talked to players about this. You're right, you know, sleeping in their own bed, et cetera, you know, makes makes things easier, but you still got to travel from San Francisco to Oakland. You're still in the same state. You know, you're not at home with your family necessarily. You're you're still in a hotel, and, you know, the crowd is still behind the home team. So I don't know how much I would make of that. All right, what do we think about these Oakland Raiders? Now, with the Marshawn Lynch move to IR, some people are on Jalen Richard. Some people are on Doug Martin with the loss of Amari Cooper. Some people are on Jordy Nelson. Some people are on Martavis Bryant. We know your feelings about Jared Cook. Who starts to soak up this uh, fantasy potential for the Oakland Raiders? Well, I think we already saw it last week, you know, that when the matchup is right, that, and I think it is this week, that uh, I think you like Cook this week. 
wouldn't surprise me if Jordy Nelson is a good streamer this week. And Martavis Bryant, you know, really didn't step up. Very interesting. You go to the rotoexperts.com right now. You check out Joe Galina's waiver column. You know, he thinks Seth Roberts is a good stream this week. Interesting. Okay, somebody on the Oakland on the Oakland wide receiver core is certainly going to do something. You just got to find the right guy. Um, in San Francisco, <clears throat> talk to me about this running back committee, Scott. Matt Breida, Alfred Morris, Raheem Mostart. How are you playing this? I don't, I don't know, really, because, you know, Breed is injured. <laughs> Great analysis. Uh, most starts <laughs> injured. Uh, because it, it's too early. It, it's too early. It's, you know, I think we're going to have to wait another day before we can say, you know, what are we going to do with this backfield? Because Breed is very banged up. Most start has an ankle injury. You know, for all we know, you know, Alfred Morris might have to get a lot of carries this week. So I think yeah. we've got to wait until this that. afternoon at least for the injury reports. We We really don't know right now. All right, fair enough. Let's keep it moving to another game then. The Detroit Lions travel to Minnesota in a matchup, like I said, of the NFC North teams. This entire division is separated by a game. Um, Matthew Stafford going to try and go on the road against a over 500 team. That's something that Matthew Stafford has not had success with in his career, Scotty. It seems almost like Matthew Stafford is sort of like the gatekeeper of if you are a good team or just an average team. Like Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions in his career, they have a good record against teams that are like, you know, below 500. But when they step up in class, it always seems like they just can't get the job done. They kind of remind me of the Cincinnati Bengals on some level in the NFC. Like, you know, you always think like, hey, maybe they got something. But then when they step up in competition, you always realize that, up, oh, they're just a cut below. They are five-point underdogs going to Minnesota. They've also lost one of their big-time wide receivers. Do you expect the change in their offense to happen right away? Um, you're putting in Galladay right away. You're happy with Kerryon Johnson as an RB2 this week. Uh, how are you seeing the uh, potential in Detroit? Scotty? Sounds like we have lost Scotty. No, I'm here. Uh, sounds oh. like oh, okay. the, the, losing one of their top wide receivers is not a negative whatsoever. And I don't know how much I would it's blame Stafford. No, because they they have Galladay and they they have Marvin Jones. Again, addition by subtraction for some teams. And you know that's what we were talking about. I don't want to digress on this too much, Dane. But sometimes but, you know, and it's in case of Haha Clinton Dix too. You know, the team doesn't feel like it's performing like it should, and just because they get rid of a name player doesn't mean that if we don't know who the guy is behind him stepping up, the team might like him a lot and say, you know, we're losing this guy's part of the problem. We got to get rid of him. So I, I don't think necessarily a big loss. And how much would I blame Matthew Stafford for not being able to step up in class? I'm not so sure about that because you look throughout his career, Matthew Stafford has never, ever really had a fully solid supporting cast. And I think the team as a whole, you know, football's yeah. a team sport. But not again, absolutely. I don't want to digress too much. Uh, I would I would take I would take Detroit to cover here. I think this is gonna be a tight divisional game and Detroit really, really needs this game. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I say Matthew Stafford just kind of as like a figurehead. The truth is the Detroit Lions are that kind of team, okay? The Detroit Lions have a bad record, you know, against 500 or better teams, especially on the road, not necessarily Matthew Stafford. So that is a very good point. Scotty, let's look at this Minnesota side. Uh, 
Can we start to acknowledge that Lat Murray is fine as a fill-in for Dalvin Cook? Like, is he an RB2 for you this week? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's, uh, you know, Murray's gotten back to that form, I think, that I, you know, made me love him in early in his career. I don't think he has as much speed as he did early in his career, but, uh, you know, great balance, great vision, great body lean, uh, breaks tackles, etc. has some quickness, and, you know, this Detroit run defense is very, very vulnerable. So I, th- I think, uh, I think it's a very good matchup for them. They're ranked 13th overall against the runs, but, you know, then when you, you, you dice it into yards per game, uh, you know, rather than the overall, uh, look, you know, they're, they're, they're still like middle of the, pa- middle of the pack, but, and they give up 109.7 yards per game, but in recent weeks, they've, they've looked a lot worse than that. So this is a good matchup for Lad Murray. Yes. Question though, don't didn't the Detroit Lions understand that? And recently, that's part of the reason they acquired Snacks Harrison. Don't you expect maybe a change in that run defense because of the trade they made last week? I think it's going to take time. You know, they shuttled them in and out, and they still got they still got trashed on the ground last week. You know, it might take a few right, weeks for enough. this to actually take shape. But but he is there to help that run defense. He is, but he didn't last week. All right. Uh, so we'll see about that. Obviously, you know about the targets that Kirk Cousins has. In my opinion, the best tandem of wide receivers in the NFL, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. They are both, I believe, Scotty, they are both in at least PPR scoring. I believe they are both in the top 10 at wide receiver. I believe Thielen is wide receiver one overall right now. I want to say I think Stefan Diggs is wide receiver nine overall. I'm double checking that right now. Yeah. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I see Stefan Diggs in PPR scoring as wide receiver nine. Adam Thielen as the number one wide receiver um, in all of fantasy football. So you got to love that. Talk to me, though, Scott, about Kyle Rudolph. You know, like we talk about Thielen. We talk about Diggs. You know, Kyle Rudolph right now is tight end 10 on the season. So it's not like he's completely defecating the mattress, but it just seems to me that he's not having the games that he had last year. Is this a function of the fact that he and most tight ends are touchdown dependent? He was getting in the end zone a lot last year, only two receiving touchdowns so far this year and none since week three. I think when you say that he's top 10, I think it says a lot about the position and also the danger of just looking at overall points and you know not splitting it into the game lock and you know sometimes guys like look look good in overall points and I'm not saying it was the case with Rudolph but uh you know because they've had some big games you know look at Vance McDonald I forget His exactly where he's ranked but his biggest game is 15 points Yeah it's, Kyle Rudolph's you know, biggest game of the season is 15 points Yeah he's coming off of a 4 for 39 well, one for right. sixteen, one a for four 16, for thirty-seven, four for five yeah. for forty-one. So at at best, he's been ho hum, you know. And he he yep. he hasn't he hasn't scored since September twenty-third. So right now, I'm wondering if Kyle Rudolph, you know, if like again to the point when you look at the game logs, like him and Vance McDonald are very overrated, and they're borderline not not rosterable. All right. Uh, to your point, Vance McDonald, currently tight end 14, but that's in the aggregate. He had a huge game week three against Tampa Bay, the four for 112 and a touchdown. And then outside of that, he had one 13-point effort. Remember, though, his point total is in 
two fewer games. The Steelers have already had their bye, and he didn't play. He wasn't healthy in week one. So Vance is doing this in six games, whereas most of the other tight ends are doing it in seven or eight games. But here's what we got. Well, he's had four quiet games, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that's yeah. the thing. And, and, and to be honest, Scott, with tight end, and Mike Blewett says this all the time, because that's the case with most of these tight ends, right? It's really on a week-to-week basis about if that guy gets in the end zone or not for tight end, you know? Most of these tight ends, except for your top guys, the Kelsey's and Ertz's of the world, you know, if they get into the end zone... It's a, it's a decent week for you. If they don't, you're usually saddled with one of these, like, 3-for-31 kind of games. Yeah, it really depends on who it is. It's like, that says a lot about the position. When Jimmy Graham doesn't get in the end zone, he's not doing it enough. You'll get 8-10 to 10 yeah. points out of him. Exactly, and that is the issue. Yeah. That's why I'm telling people, if you own Ertz or if you own Kelsey, I ain't trading him for a damn thing right now. When we come back, it'll be <laughs> FST. Uh, Scotty and the Spitting Statistician, we break down the rest of these Week 9 games. Come on right back.